Can bad animation be saved by hilarious Yakuza-themed hijinks? Probably. House Husband looked pretty likely to be dead in the water like a bozo with two cinder block shoes, but it somehow has already been confirmed for a part two. Even so, does that mean we can't learn anything from this series? Welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and the immortal dragon. I am your nerd, Pastor Nate, and I'm so glad that you're here with us for another weekly deep dive video. This week, we're going to be starting with the way of the house husband. But before we get into that, as always, we're going to be reading our scripture. And our scripture for today is from the epistle of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. We're going to be reading from the NRSV as usual. That's what will be on the screen. But if you have another translation you prefer, feel free to use that one instead. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. The Way of the House Husband is a Japanese manga series written by Kosuke Ono, published in 2018 and brought to the U.S. in 2019. I'm proud to say I am a day oneer here. Originally, this was supposed to be a five-chapter short series just for kicks and giggles, but the premise was so hilarious and the art and writing of Uno so perfect that it was picked up for serialization into a seven-volume series that actually just wrapped up in Japan in March of 2021. The premise is really pretty simple and straightforward. Our main character, Tatsu, used to be a criminal Yakuza boss named the Immortal Dragon before retiring from crime in order to support his wife, Miku. This sets up a juxtaposition that leads to hilarious hijinks and subverted expectations because when someone sees Tatsu, they see an intimidating figure. But when he gets bested by his arch nemesis, say a Roomba, it's impossible not to laugh at the absurdity of this toughened warlord doing some kind of mundane household chore like cooking, cleaning, or finding the best discount at the supermarket. Now, the Netflix special has been panned a bit for the unique style of animation, which is essentially more of a motion comic than a fully fleshed 60 FPS fresh animation. But rest assured, the jokes, they still land. And it's basically a panel for panel recreation of the manga, which is a good thing. This may be obvious, but House Husband is a slice-of-life comedy manga, which means that it's usually pretty devoid of any deeper meaning, plot, or purpose. But that doesn't mean that we can't get anything out of this story. The reason for this is that, like with any truly popular story, The Way of the House Husband involves the use of tropes to relate to the audience. Often stories will lean into tropes to make the context and culture present in the story a little bit more familiar. House Husband doesn't do that at all. In fact, it does the exact opposite. It takes these tropes that we know very well, say, I don't know, mob boss movies, and it pits them up against another trope that we know very well, such as the suburban middle class family comedy, in order to poke fun at both of these tropes by means of the fancy word we used earlier called juxtaposition. The question then becomes, why does juxtaposition work? Why do we laugh at the absurdity of a mob boss growing an actual herb garden instead of an herb garden on his balcony? It's because of our own preconceived notions of the expected behavior of people. Because we see Tatsu just like the policemen who investigate his garden, and we make an assumption about his behavior given his tattooed skin and piercing glare. 
However, then the mangaka and showrunner pull the wool off of our eyes to reveal that he was actually growing a real herb garden in order to cook his wife delicious meals. We then become embarrassed by our expectations being objectively mistaken, which then leads to the honest chuckle of embarrassment. This is how juxtaposition works, with a constant bait and switch. Once we get used to that bait and switch, we're able to laugh at the other characters in the show who keep getting fooled like we once did. We're able to empathetically relate with their mutual expectations being foiled and it works against us and it's just too absurd not to laugh about. Here's the thing though, none of this works if Tatsu, our reformed mob boss, isn't totally committed to the bit. If Tatsu ever breaks and lives up to our preconceived notion, then the jokes stop there. We were right all along. Our expectations being met ends up disappointing us, but that doesn't happen. And that's why the show works. That's what makes this premise successful. And it's also why we're talking about this letter or epistle of James today. Now we aren't totally sure who actually wrote the book of James. Some theologians believe it was written by the half brother of Jesus. Some believe it was written by a first century Jewish apostle. Regardless of its origin, it's clear that this letter has a specific audience in mind with its message. That audience being the early Jewish Christians. Now I hear you, I hear you. You might be saying to yourself like I might that I'm none or only one of these things. I'm not in the first century, I'm not Jewish, but I am a Christian. Now hear me out, it's not about the fact that James is speaking to Jewish Christians, it's why he was writing and what he wanted them to do about that why. See, here's the thing about the early church, like the really early church was 100% Jewish. See, it was a long process to get Gentiles, those outside of the Jewish tradition, into followers of Christ. It wasn't until Saul's conversion into Paul and then Paul's ministry leading to God telling Peter that Gentiles were actually like really, really welcome in the church. And then the followers of Jesus were technically allowed to be anything other than Jewish Christians. So the first Jewish Christians, or really just Christians since they were all Jewish, had grown accustomed to a certain sense of being in the church. Which, by the way, they actually weren't technically called Christians yet either. So, you know, there's that. Anyway, along comes Paul, who stirs everything up by saying that when Jesus commissioned us to reach the whole world, Jesus meant the whole world, not just the Jewish world. This led to a great deal of stress and argument in the early church. All throughout the rest of the New Testament after the Gospels, we read time and time again about arguments over circumcision, over the greatest of these, over who is really redeemed, who is really eligible to be saved by Jesus. Spoiler alert! It's everyone. So that brings us to James. James is writing to the context he knows best because he is in this context. James is a first century Jewish Christian writing to his fellow first century Jewish Christians. But that's not why he's writing. He is writing in an act of unity and telling his people to get their act together. Now, a lot of theologians don't care for James because he puts a lot of emphasis on works being essential for faith in Jesus. A pretty big theologian, maybe you've heard of him, named, I don't know, Martin Luther, even called this the epistle of straw, for it seems to be leaning too hard into works-based righteousness. However, I think that James is important for the same reason I think Way of the House Husband is actually pretty important. See, in our selected text for today, James is calling out his people, his context, his culture for not being doers of the word, for not putting into action the message of the gospel that they were being taught. They were not being of love. They were excluding. They were persecuting. They were dividing when Jesus specifically called for unity that we may all be one. Does this sound familiar to anybody? 
See, James isn't talking about actions, really. He's talking about reality. He's offering up a reality check. It has nothing to do with a checklist or a works-based dogma. He is accusing those around him of listening but not hearing, of pretending, of make-believe faith. He's not so much saying that we need to do these things to prove that we are believers following the way of Christ, but that a true faith is a faith of visible transformation. We should be noticeably changed, noticeably different. We should be living an obvious juxtaposition from who we used to be. With that, the perfect transition back to Tatsu. Tatsu is the perfect example of what a doer of the word should look like. It's just a different word. Instead of a Christ follower, Tatsu has been transformed into a house husband. Let's note some important things that this means. First off, Tatsu didn't literally transform. So often I see people who accept Christ and start to dress differently, act differently, look differently. They change who God made them rather than change what they actually believe on the inside. See, Tatsu doesn't change on the outside. He still has the tattoos, the piercing glare, the intimidating design. It's not the outside that actually made the difference. See, none of those things made him a house husband or not a house husband because appearance has nothing to do with anything. I want to say that again for the people in the back because appearance has nothing to do with anything. Okay, now second, Tatsu is legitimately free of his past life. Here's what I don't mean. He's not removed from it or acting better than it. He acknowledges his past life. He knows he was the immortal dragon. It's not like he's suffering from amnesia. And he interacts all the time with other crime bosses, former underlings, etc. But he never, and I mean never, actually backslides. If he fights back, it's because they got in the way of a deal or because they accidentally got in the way of his latest DIY project. Tatsu isn't running away from anything. He's been legitimately transformed into a totally new mindset that rejects his own personal regression without rejecting others' lived reality. Finally, Tatsu is constantly thinking about his new transformation and how that impacts his particular skill set. His actions aren't disingenuous or forced, but instead, he's constantly living into his newfound reality of Miku's house husband. He takes his past skills, such as knowing how to mourn an accidental victim or the importance of respect to your boss, and he applies them to his current context of burying a broken doll six feet under or rushing to his wife's workplace when she forgets her bento. Now, listen, I know that all of this probably feels like a stretch, and that's because it probably is. The truth of the matter is that I've never actually met anyone who is as good of a Christian as Tatsu is a house husband. He's absurdly good at it. He is actually transformed. He is noticeably defying my expectations. How awesome would it be to know a Christian that is living a hilariously different juxtaposition from how they should be? How often do you meet someone who absolutely defies your expectations? I get that this feels like a stretch, but that's only because we're scared to be so good at being good that it makes us different. But we can try. And I think Tatsu is about as good an example as any. If you can overlook the animation or just read the manga, then why not dive into the world of Tatsu and see if we can try to be even half as good at being a Christian as Tatsu is at being a house husband. At the very least, we can rest easy knowing we're not constantly being targeted for being an ex-crime lord, right? I mean, if you're a crime lord, and you can't relate to that, I, I guess, hey, <laughs> thanks, thanks for watching. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. Thanks for listening to our weekly nerdy deep dive into the world of nerds, geeks, and gamers. We hope you enjoyed the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to experience this video in its intended full viewing, feel free to find us over on YouTube at Checkpoint Church and watch it there. If you're interested in supporting what we're doing, feel free to go to www.checkpointchurch.com support for information on how to donate or support us financially or otherwise. Or you can go through the Anchor app and support us there 
there as well. This program is created, produced, and edited by Nathan Webb and distributed by Anchor. Find us on twitch.tv slash checkpointchurch where we'll be streaming on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Thanks again for listening to our show. And remember, God loves you. We love you. You matter. Be boldly blessed, and we will catch you next time.